Pastor Xavier Reese and the problem of the manana mindset today on Simple Truths. A call to service personalized by making oneself available. How often we well, yeah, I'm, I'm praying about it. Yeah, I'm going to get involved as soon as I wait till I get older. Wait till I clean out my garage. Wait till I, you know, get a better job. He's ready. The kingdom first, then all these things shall be added unto you. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Take the bull by the horns. Don't let anyone push you around. Be assertive. Be aggressive. Well, that's not the leadership advice you'll find in today's study from the book of Nehemiah. Let's join Pastor Xavier for a different perspective and the prospect of servant leadership, illustrated in a message titled, A Call to Serve. We want to begin here our series of Nehemiah by looking at Nehemiah's call to serve in the capacity of servant leadership in this first chapter. Three things are revealed about Nehemiah's call to serve here in chapter 1. First, a call to serve is prompted by God, verse 1 through 3. It's prompted by God. Second, a call to serve is pursued through prayer, 4 through 10. And thirdly, a call to serve is personalized by making oneself available. Verse 11. Three truths that are given to us here. Notice verse 1. God had decided to call Nehemiah years after the captivity. It has been 13 years since Ezra had returned in the seventh year of Artaxerxes. You find this in Ezra 7.7. And Nehemiah is in the fortified palace of Shushan or Susa, whichever your translation has. In verse 2, that God used Hanani to begin to work in the heart of Nehemiah through a normal conversation about the remnant that had returned with Ezra. So Nehemiah is just in his everyday duties with the king, as we'll see. And God is at work. God had promised their captivity. God is looking at the end of the captivity. God is looking at the return of the captivity. He's looking at all this. God is in control. And he's beginning to work in another way, and he's going to be working on Nehemiah's heart. And he does it through a normal, everyday situation and conversation. He was in the palace. (laughs) Now God put him there for such a time as this, kind of like Esther. And so a call to service prompted by God. That's the first thing we learn from Nehemiah. Secondly, 4 through 10, a call to serve is pursued through prayer. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. If you've read the whole book of Nehemiah, you found out that Nehemiah, he's always praying. Persistency in prayer will bring about God's burdens, not our own. Look at verse 4. He sat down, he wept when he heard. He mourned for many days. He fasted and prayed before God, the God of heaven. How long do you suppose Nehemiah prayed? If you look at the beginning date and then look at chapter 2, verse 1, four months. He prayed to the God of heaven, no longer in the temple due to his destruction, yet recognizing that he is still able to control all things. 
Because the temple was destroyed, that didn't put God out of business. <laughs> he sits in the heavens. He sits on his throne. We saw this last week in Peter, right? He prayed, calling God, Oh, great and awesome God, declaring that there is nothing impossible for him. Regardless of the situation, what's going on, God is outside of man's time domain and outside of man's limitations. And if this is God working in my heart, then I want to turn to him. Notice personal confession and intercession in prayer is basic. Verse 6 and 7. He prayed day and night. He prayed for Israel. His servants, plural. He didn't think he was the only one. That's good. Notice that. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinance which you commanded your servant Moses. He includes himself. Now look at verse 8 and 10. Petitions are based on God's promises when we pray to God. His promise to scatter Israel if they disobeyed had occurred. Remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. He told this over and over again. He told it through Moses about Sinai. He said it through Moses to the second generation that would enter the land in Deuteronomy. And it happened just as he prophesied that they would disobey and he would scatter them. But notice, secondly, his promise to regather them if they return to God in obedience in verse 9. So he acknowledges God's word and he can't lie. God says, if you do this, I will do this. If you don't do this, then I won't do this. Verse 9, he says, but if you return to me, and keep my commandments and do them. Though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. And notice verse 10. He says, now these are your servants, your people. And you have redeemed by your great power, by your strong hand. Everything is God's. Nehemiah recognizes that all belongs to God. Prayer always begins with God, and he burdens your heart, and we lift that petition up to God as he moves on our heart. You understand? When I ask something of God because he's prompting me, and if he's in it, then he will do it. Now, persistency in prayer will solidify God's burdens and sift mine away. Persistency in prayer will sift away my burdens and solidify God's. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. I want to make sure that what I believe is a burden is God laying the burden on my heart, not my own. Often what we have is a lot of burdens being laid from people upon us you should do this, you should do this for the church, you should do that for the church. And then we get directed and burdened by people rather than God. My responsibility is to exhort you to go to God to see what he would have you to do. I don't know what he's called you to do, but he's called you to do something in the church of Jesus Christ, whether you come here or somewhere else, right? And only you can know it. Find your gifts, your calling, and then jump in with both feet into the trenches. Personal confession and corporate sin Give me proper perspective of God's graciousness and my sinfulness. Very important. When I lose that perspective, then I lose what servanthood is. 
Listen to 1 John 2, 1. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin, practice sin as habitual habit. And if anyone sins, stumbles, misses the mark, you have an advocate or a lawyer for the defense with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We no longer practice sin, but we do miss the mark at times. And when we do, we have to acknowledge our sin, confess our sin, and the lawyer for the defense, when we plead guilty, he gets us off. And we're in fellowship. But he only takes guilty pleads. So, personal confession and corporate sin give me proper perspective of God's graciousness and my sinfulness. Till the day I die. Very important. Petitions are confined to God's word notice, which he honors above his name. If you examine his prayer, he prayed according to God's word, right? What God said he would promise and honor. Jesus, as his disciples asked him, teach us to pray. In Matthew 6, 9 through 13, said this. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For such is yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. Amen. That is in the Lord's prayer. He could have never prayed that. There's a petition for forgiveness of sin. Jesus had no sin. It's a model prayer, not to be repeated like a parrot, but that you examine what it contains. It begins with my relationship, recognizing that God is my Father and He's in heaven, He's holy. And then the provisions and the temptations and all that. The things that are priority, very important. A call to serve is pursued through prayer. If you believe God is calling you to do something, then you see God on it. It's okay to have a pastor say, listen, can you pray for me while I'm seeking the Lord? Fine. But you go to God. Lord, what would you have me to do? I can pray with you. I can pray for you. But I can't tell you what God's called you to do. The problem is too many times pastors and leaders tell you what they want you to do. And they organize things and they got this kingdom going so they need bodies and so they put you to work. Your master's Jesus, not a pastor. But if you are the servant of the Lord, then you fit in the church somewhere. And you serve. You serve the kingdom. A call to service pursued through prayer. Notice thirdly, verse 11. One short verse. A call to service personalized by making oneself available. Words are cheap. <laughs> How often we hear, well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm praying about it. Yeah, I'm going to get involved. As soon as I, you know, nothing ever happens. Too many say they want to be used, but they're never around. You can't serve if you're not around. By the way, you're not called to be a part-time Christian. When God saved you, he saved you full-time. <laughs> Notice the beginning of verse 11. We're called to service personalized by making oneself available. Privilege is acknowledged by the individual. O Lord, indicating the lordship of God over his life. Privilege is acknowledged. O Lord, please let your ear be attentive to your servant, indicating his desire to be used. Proper perspective. Notice partnership is acknowledged 
by the individual also. Verse 11. Your servants who desire to fear your name. Partnership. God always anoints a leader and touches others' hearts to support him. God anointed Moses and then touched elders. God anointed Joshua and touched elders. God anointed David and he gathered a group of motley men. (laughs) The dirty dozen. Jesus was anointed by the Father and he gathered the dirty dozen. And God will touch the heart of a pastor. Call him, anoint him. And he will touch the heart of a group of men and women to do the work of God. You understand? There are no lone rangers. I can never do the work of ministry that I do without the incredible godly men and women that surround me and that serve in this church. You see? Ministry does not happen in a vacuum. And there's a great cost. But if God calls you, there's no cost at all. You understand it's your life. Notice procrastination is not in the heart of the individual. Let your servant acknowledging desire and permission to serve. Wow. Total humility. It's a privilege to serve. Let your servant. Lord, can I serve you? He says, prosper this day. Let your servant prosper this day, demonstrating his willingness to and readiness immediately prosper this day. He's not talking financially. <laughs> now, a lot of the faith people will turn it around and say, see, no, no, no. Seed faith, you know, all this junk that gets made up that is nothing but bubblegum theology. Readiness, willingness, immediately. He doesn't say, well, wait till I get older. Wait till I clean out my garage. Wait till I, you know, get a better job. He's ready. Notice lastly there, the position he has is the starting point for the individual. The position you have is the starting point. Nehemiah said, I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Him, he's talking about himself in the third person. In the sight of this man. Nehemiah said, for I was the king's cupbearer. He was out of the Xerxes cupbearer. The one who tasted all the wine, the food, to make sure no one was poisoning the king. Amazing. He was willing to start right away, and he knew the position he has was the starting point as God prompted his heart. The next step God was working on in his heart. You understand? We make our spiritual life more mystical and difficult than it really is. Be practical. One step at a time. By tuning your ear and your heart to God through his word, through prayer. D.L. Moody once said, quote, The measure of a man is not how many servants he has, but how many men he serves. Ask yourself a question. You know the answer. Are you a servant of people or are you always looking for people to be serving you? Look to your life. If people are serving you all the time, That's not good. Now you should see in your life that people do serve because they love you. But that's not the nature of your life. If you're only a taker, that's no good. You've got to be a giver. You've got to be a servant. 
We need to recognize the privilege in serving the Lord rather than an imposition. David said, who am I, Lord? Who am I? Remember when God told him he was going to build him a house in 2 Samuel 7? And he couldn't build a house himself, but God was going to build him. David didn't go, oh, Lord, I can't believe. He says, who am I? It is a privilege to serve, not an imposition. Lord, you call me? You call me to, to sweep, to pick up cigarette butts? You call me to serve in your house? Man. Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Remember Isaiah 6. He says, woe me, I'm undone, I'm a man of unclean lips. Then the cherub flew from the altar and coal and put it in his lips. I've cleansed you. Who shall I send? I said, send me. God was prompting on his heart. God was calling him. He responded. In Luke 17, 10, Jesus said that when we get done doing those things which we are commanded, our response is to be, listen carefully, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Well, that's perspective. That's not what we see too often in ministry today. We are called to serve in partnership with others, not a one-man show. Always remember that. Recognizing the uniqueness, the diversity of our calling gives that magnifies the unity of the body for effectiveness. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Peter 4, 10, the gift that one has, at least one gift. Every member of your body has a function, and they all work coordinating to the whole body. The head controls it. No part in your body is useless. It's all there for a function. And they're not in competition, but they're in completion of each other. They work coordinating for the full efficiency of the body. Can you imagine you get up and your head says, okay, let's go through the door. And the hand says, no, I ain't going to go through the door. I'm going to go the other way. Or you mow on the lawn, cut your left toe, and, and the rest of the body says, hey, that you go stupid, but you shouldn't have got in the way. They're not. No, the first thing you do is those hands grab that toe. Help, let's help him quick. Because if he gets hurt, we get hurt. And the illustration of the body is given to us. Why don't we get the picture? We miss it. Every member edifies one another. One-man ministries are a potential cultic movement. You have to be careful. We're not to procrastinate. Some of you, for your New Year's resolution, said that you were going to get involved. You're still sitting. <laughs> if you don't set your heart to seek the Lord, before you know it, you'll be at your own funeral and you've done nothing. You have to live by priorities, ladies and gentlemen. The kingdom first, then all these things shall be added unto you. Nothing gets before the kingdom. And if the kingdom is first, then you're an example at home. You're a godly husband. You take care of your wife. You take care of your children. If you're a wife, you care for your husband. You care for your children. Those are automatic priorities. You don't sacrifice your family for the kingdom. There's no such thing in the Bible. Many people try to do that as their servants. No, they're not. They're irresponsible slugs. Pharisees, God never asked to put my wife and my children on the altar. There will be sacrifices. There will be difficult times. But if I don't know how to care for my home, how can I rule a house of God? How can I order it? I can't. 
We must ask God to use us right where we are. Our jobs, our homes, our neighborhoods. This is the proof of desiring to be sent and to serve. Use me right where I'm at, Lord. You know, when I first got born again in 73, my brother and I used to teach the martial arts. We had Kung Fu Studios. That's what we did best. That's what we did. God saved us, and we used the martial arts to reach people. We started Bible studies afterwards, and people would come. We had Bible studies. And we'd have home. Then we'd go to our high school, right from where we were started. And then God from there just started doing things. Right where you are, that's where you start. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, For as the body is one, and as many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Some of you are hands. Some of you are feet. Some of you are toes in that foot. Some of you are ears. Now, don't say if you're near, I don't have need of the hand. Look at the hand. He thinks he's tough because he's always out there grabbing things. No. He's a hand. Hands grab. Or if you're a hand, you say, look at that ear. He thinks, look, he's got the big old dumbbell thing and he thinks he's got... No. That's what ears do. They hear. Be what God has called you to be. Do what God has called you to do. Never compare yourself. Never be jealous or envious. Just be exactly who you are. And the kingdom will prosper and God will be glorified and you will receive the greatest benefit. You understand what I'm saying as your pastor? I am in competition with no one. I am envious of no one. I am very content with what God has done in my life. But I'm never complacent. There's a difference. I am content with what God has done. I need nothing else. But if God wants to use me in another way, I'm open. You understand? There's a big difference between, between being content and complacent. Complacent means you don't do nothing. You just, this is all. And you always brag about the past. Because you've got no future. And you hate your present. Wow. Paul the Apostle on the Damascus Road said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Acts 9, 6. First thing out of his mouth. That should be our response. Now that I'm saved, Lord, what do you want me to do? Not what the, what the pastor wants me to do. Not what my wife wants me to do. Not what my husband wants me to do. But what do you want me to do, Lord? And then pursue that with all your heart. And don't be satisfied until you have heard the voice of God. And let him direct and guide your service. A call to service personalized by making oneself, listen, a dirty word today, available. Simple. So practical. I thought you were going to give us these beautiful spiritual, practical. That's what the word is. These are the three things that are revealed in the call to serve. A call to serve is prompted by God. A call to serve is pursued through prayer. And a call to serve is personalized by making oneself available. Man, can't get any simpler than that. It really doesn't have to be complicated. <laughs> if it is, it's probably not God. You're called to serve. So you've got to go to God. Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating with Nehemiah 
three important simple truths for the believer with regard to servanthood. And we hope today's study has been both challenging and encouraging. By the way, you can pick up a copy for your further review or to pass on to a friend. The title to request is A Call to Serve. And we're making it available on CD for only $4. And this also includes everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is A Call to Serve. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing... Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us gauge the impact of this ministry in your area. God said the road is narrow, but there's always room for Him to walk by your side. Don't miss the next encouraging edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com